Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Season in Review edition of the Batter Up podcast, which will be not only simulcast on Facebook Live, but available for listening on demand on the Radio.com app and wherever you get your podcasts. All three of us together again now that our postseason assignments have been completed. Willie P., Joe Patrick, and Caleb Johnson. It's great to see you guys. Um, I feel like I've seen one or both of you at some point or talked with both of you over the course of the last, oh, I don't know, about a month, uh, 20 (laughs) days or so, and... It's sad that we come to this before the end of the baseball season. Joe, uh, since we didn't get to talk to you last night uh, because you were in the Zoom meetings for post game, before we get into our full season interview, just just your general thoughts about uh, what we saw last night in game number seven. You know, it was just a very frustrating game, obviously. Um, you had that that situation that happened. I can't even remember what inning it was, but obviously the one where the terrible double play happened. That was Fourth like inning. one of the worst double plays <laughs> I've ever seen. I mean, if you go, if you go back and recount what happened um, on that particular play, it was just you couldn't really think of a situation in which it could have gone worse unless somehow like Marcakis also would have been out in that situation. I mean, that was just, it could have happened. And it's just it's unfortunate <laughs> because uh, it, because of how counter um, it runs to what this Braves team has been all season long, which is a team that's dynamic and can beat you in all different areas of the game, including running the bases and Dansby Swanson in particular has been one of the standouts in that department. And um, so it was just tough to see. And I understand the frustration because you thought that you had it, you know, in the bag, honestly, at three, one, I mean, I, at least that's the, that's what I got from a lot of fans after the game. That was definitely their feeling, which was that you're up three, one and you've got Max Fried and Ian Anderson going and you just expect to win one of those games. And right. you just didn't, it just didn't happen, you know, and it's and but the other part of me is just thinking that's part of playing a great team like the Dodgers, like the Dodgers are going to win three games in a row against a lot of teams. They only lost 17 games this year and, you know, it happened. Um, you really only played a couple bad games in this series like it was just it was just two really great teams um playing each other. That was kind of my main takeaway after it was all all the dust was settled was that we just saw a really high quality baseball series with two really, really good teams. And I'm kind of like, I, I, I'm kind of feel privileged or honored to have watched it go down. I just wish the result would have been a little bit different, obviously. Caleb, when you and I were talking last night, there was a bit of a role reversal. I was more of the ticked <laughs> yeah. off person and, and you were the measured calculated, uh, I guess more reason type. Uh, are you back to your Eeyore-ish ways or, or do I have to be uh, the malcontent again? I think you're going to have to have to stick with uh, taking over the Eeyore role, at least for the time being, because I think I grew into my stance even further with a good night's rest 
and listening to our station all day today. Of course, you know, both of us were, were doing updates. And so I was catching the tail end of Andy and Randy and then going into uh, Dukes and Bell. And I have to say, Dukes and Bell were kind of carrying this theme of, I don't care that, you know, Soroka got hurt and I don't care that Duvall was injured. I wanted to win now. And, you know, we don't have to be reasonable and say, we'll get them next year. And we don't have to talk about all the positives. We need to kind of focus on what caused this series to collapse. And quite honestly, in my opinion, it's done now. There, there is nothing Braves fans or us on the media side can do to change what happened last night, what happened in the series. So all there is is to focus on the future. Now, I'm not, I'm certainly not telling anyone how they should grieve, and I think that was one mistake that I might have mentioned last night. Is I was I was, you know just in my feelings, just frustrated, just wanted to be like, look, don't be like this, don't be like this. And the the one thing I will say is, don't be the person going on social media to argue over this Braves team because I I've seen so much mainly on Twitter of people going out and being like, well, this is what I think, and then people being like, no, you're absolutely wrong. The series is over, so it doesn't matter, right or wrong, it's gone. The Dodgers are on to the World Series, and it's tough. Now you've got to figure out what's going to happen in the future. So I did a radio spot earlier today, and I was asked the question, and it was kind of the, the main question that permeated our own airwaves today, and that was, did the Braves overachieve? And I said, when you factor everything that happened in this season— from all the way at the beginning, Freddie Freeman's COVID diagnosis, Mike Soroka going down, Nick Marcakis opting in or opting out and then opting back in, uh, Felix Hernandez opting out, all the other atrophy with the starting rotation, you could say, yes, they did overachieve. But I feel like you can have it both ways. You can say they overachieved, but even with that overachievement, they got to a point where they were up 3-1 in a series. And the one thing that we said would be their downfall to this point of the season would have been their starting pitching or their lack of ability to have starting pitching. And it just felt like they ran out. They, they ran out of opportunities to get their pitching into a level to where they didn't have to overuse their bullpen. And I feel like inadequate starting pitching led to bullpen overuse. We talked a lot, Caleb, last night about you know how Brian Snitker managed this series. He made defensible moves, especially in the latter part of this series, but he went to usually reliable bullpen guys and as a result those guys were taxed Chris Martin was not the same pitcher in game seven that he had been for the balance of this postseason same thing for for Minter and you could even go so far as to say some of the other guys in the previous games in games five and six were, were taxed beyond their means I do wonder what this means for the Braves offseason plan and that's what the more balance of this podcast is going to talk about but I, I almost feel like Joe when you see what this Braves team did over the course of the season you have to marvel at it, but that doesn't take away from the disappointment because anytime you take a 3-1 lead in a series, you should be able to finish it. And I understand the reasons why they didn't. I do believe that the Dodgers made more adjustments from uh, the way that they handled the Braves pitching staff. They were a lot more patient. Uh, they were patient throughout the entire series, but they even took it to an extra step in games 5, 6, and 7, whereas the Braves continued to ambush the Dodgers starters. And the Dodgers starters actually adjusted. Walker Buehler adjusted well in game number five. Again, he was only touched a little bit in game one, but he adjusted uh, mightily in game number five. And you saw a lot of Braves uh, hitters making uh, weak contact. And as a result, uh, the Braves just could not figure out the way to, uh, to get guys on base. They only amassed one base runner in the final five innings of last night's game number seven. And only one walk. That basically was the, the reason why the Braves could not get back against the Dodgers. And, and Joe, I, I do believe that when it comes down to it, you can't blame the offense too much. But I do believe that uh, the one thing that we thought was going to carry this squad in the postseason, as we came to find out, it was like every other postseason. It was the pitching that carried things for the Dodgers. And the fact that they had just a little bit more than we did is why they're getting ready to play the Rays and we're not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and and the pitching was carrying the Braves too, which we didn't expect 
to be something that was going to happen. Like we, something that we were all saying before the playoffs started, well before the playoffs started, because we knew the shape of this roster was that this team was going to have to hit in the postseason. And at times they did, and they typically won those games. And, you know, obviously you don't hit very well usually when you lose games and you do when you win. But, um, you know, they just, they really were carried by their starting pitching. And you got some performances that I don't think anybody was expecting, not just from, guys like Ian Anderson, who we saw perform well in the regular season, but I don't know if anybody expected him to be as good as he was this postseason. But then especially when you get a start out of Bryce Wilson like you got against the Dodgers, I think that was really the the thing that really got people excited that we were going to see this team be playing in the World Series because obviously winning that game that he started takes this team to a three-game-to-one lead, and so that's obviously going to be a reason why you get excited. But... That was just an unexpected um, bit of production that not only won you that game, but also, you know, when when something is unexpected like that, it really fe- feels like you have more leeway to you have more room for error. You have, you have a bigger margin for error later in the series, and that was going to be something that the Braves took advantage of. And of course they didn't. I do think that it's interesting that when we talk about the composition of the roster, the fact that they didn't tr- be more aggressive at the trade deadline to add more starting pitchers, knowing that they were down Mike Soroka, their ace coming into the season. Um, you know, the schedule for this playoffs was not set before that trade deadline. So the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos would not have known that he was going to have to be using relievers, you know, pitchers that they were going to be playing every single day, um, seven straight days in the NLCS. And you wonder also if didn't he know that, that Cole Hamels was going to crap the bet either. Yeah, that too. And, and you and you wonder if he knew of some of these things ahead of time that if maybe that would have affected their decision making. Maybe they would have been a little bit more um, ambitious to go get a Mike Clevenger, um, for example. So, you know, I think that that definitely played a factor. And I think that you're right when you're talking about the Dodgers, the way that they just kind of they had a really patient approach throughout the entire series. And those patient at bats were like body blows in a boxing match, you know, and it's like you just and you and you just wear down the bullpen and you wear down the bullpen. And I think we saw the Braves bullpen become shakier as the as the series progressed. You know, I think you saw the the fatigue factor coming into play. I think you saw, um, you know, you saw some guys who didn't have good outings, who Brian Snicker clearly felt like he couldn't go to again because of what they had shown in their previous appearance. So just a yeah, I mean, again, it's it's hard to really wrap it all up in, in a way that's going to make everybody happy because obviously people are going to be upset with the way that the series went down, um, especially those last few games that they lost. But I just keep coming back to the fact that, you know, this is sports and you and, and you don't have it wrapped up until you've actually won the thing. And when you're playing against a great team like the Dodgers are, they've got stars up and down that lineup. They're never going to make it easy to, to put them away and snuff out their fire. So, you know, that's just, it's, 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 but it's a learning experience. Sorry, I'm going to keep rambling here, but it was really interesting um, coming out of that press conference. Cause I kind of got off Twitter, went into the press conference and there we heard Brian Snicker, Freddie Freeman, even Ian Anderson talking about the young talent on this team how good this team is going to be for so long. And then when I come back to Twitter, because I'm just like firing off these tweets while I'm, while the, while the press conference is going on, but I'm not checking any notifications or my timeline or anything. And when I finally got done, was able to check it. People were just so mad. It was like the, it was like the quotes were even like enraging people even further. Um, which is a whole nother topic of discussion. It's not one that I agree with personally. I think that, you know, I get that sports fans are going to be er you know, irrational. Like I'm irrational about the teams that I'm a fan of as well. And, and, you know, I I don't know if the Braves are really included in that. Although I am, you know, I always want to see them win, but, um, this team, you try to to, uh, stay on that line between journalist uh, and fan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, you know, like my Premier league teams, I'm just like total fan, you know, Gaga Mm. irrational about it. But, um, Tottenham blowing three nothing lead to West Ham. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. But you know, I think I think that you know you can't intentionally look at something irrationally because you want to be angry. Like this team is set up to be very good for a long period of time. And you know, I got I cover Atlanta United here in town and for Dirty South Soccer. And there, I I remember when I was in that press conference last night, vividly remember. Tata Martino talking about Atlanta United after they had lost the Supporters Shield 
which was like the regular season title, but before they had won MLS Cup in 2018, the mood in the clubhouse in the training facility was completely depressed. It was like they had, you know, they had lost. They had lost this trophy that they had their hands on. It kind of felt like what the Braves went through. And I remember Tata Martino at the time said that when you have teams winning, learning how to win is a process. You don't all of a sudden just become a champion because you acquire all these these talented players. Like you really, it's really a mindset, a mentality, uh, you know, all, all these kind of uh, intangibles go into it and you have to learn how to deal with that success and how to build on it. And I think that the Braves did take a big step forward in terms of building off of the mistakes that, happened last year in in the NLCS and in, in what was a heartbreaker and Brian Snicker said that that one was more painful um because he felt that that team was a little bit more complete and honestly had a had a better chance to make a deep run than than this year's team and I think that you just saw that that continued stepped up progression this year and I think that that's a really positive sign for this ball club that's full of young players that they're going to continue to take these experiences, learn from them, and continue to progress. And I think that that's the reason why we're going to see this team back in the NLCS next year, if not in the World Series, and they're just going to keep on going up and up. We are uh, taking your questions on Facebook Live. For those of you who are listening to this archive later on radio.com, we apologize we can't take your questions, but if you are watching us live on Facebook Live, we'll take all of your questions about the offseason and kind of your wants, needs, and desires when it comes to the Braves offseason. I do have one more kind of strategic question before we get into the offseason checklist. Um, I'm wondering if going to Game 5 with that bullpen game kind of felt like robbing Peter to pay Paul a bit. And I understand that you wanted to get Freed back on full rest, but I, I do wonder if if that game in particular taxed the bullpen in a way that made it very, very hard to kind of compromise the rest of the series. I know game six, most of the fault was actually on Freed because he gave up those runs in the first inning, and uh, the Braves did a very good job to at least uh, keep the – Dodgers within striking distance, but I wonder if that put them in a uh, disadvantageous mode for game number seven, if uh, if going to that bullpen game in game five probably uh, was the beginning of the death knell, so to speak. I don't think so, because the bullpen game strategy-wise worked. Like, you, you sent out A.J. Minter, and he did, in game five, A.J. Minter did his job better than than even Brian Snicker expected, and so as far as the the strategy behind putting together a bullpen game it it worked you just unfortunately had in a point in a point in the game when you most likely would have had a reliever in there anyways give up runs and they went two innings and gave up three runs apiece like that those are things that happen in in games and those are things that are going to happen against a really talented Dodgers team and so for that to really catch you by surprise i th- I think would be would be misguided just because this is what the Dodgers do. I mean, they they are they have been for all season an offensive juggernaut of a team. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by it, and and it seemed like it worked. Unfortunately, I feel like that is not the only point, but that I mean that was the beginning of the end for the Braves' offense, just completely mm-hmm. cooling off. I think this is a series that that kind of something going back to to uh, earlier in in this discussion. I don't think you can put this series on pitching. I listened to some guys today on our airwaves talk about the fact that you didn't make the deal for Clevenger, you didn't make the deal for somebody else. But then I look at these games and it's like no, 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 no. It especially game six and seven. They kept it competitive. They you were in the game if your offense could do anything, anything. at all. Yeah. And and they weren't able to. And so I, I I don't think you can and you guys perfectly pointed out the fact that this postseason schedule wasn't set up when when the trade deadline was happening. That was part of the problem with the trade deadline being what it was, is it was mm-hmm. so early on that you you really wanted to make moves, and I was one that came last week and was like Look, if the Braves had made a move for Clevenger and it involved, I don't know, maybe giving up Austin Riley, how would that have have kind of changed the end of the season into the postseason? I know he went ridiculously cold in this last <laughs> series. And but he had it, his moments. He certainly had his moments. Yeah, he, he definitely did. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, and one. so it's one of those, you take those away, you know, you're taking more offense away and you're taking his defensive ability out at third base that every time he had to switch out and, and go into the outfield, then it just, you know, got, got scary, at least for me anyways. <laughs> so I just can't put this, this end of the series uh, or this specific series on brace pitching because I, I think it should have worked out. Just unfortunately, your your bats came through. And then, of course, you get into the game-by-game of uh, base running incidents. And I honestly, and I don't think this is just based on what we saw in the last couple of games. I think the Braves need to, to hire someone kind of Ron Washington-like to focus on base running because clearly in the biggest moments, it showed that they were unsure of themselves or making decisions that maybe didn't necessarily work out. It was just uh, unfortunate to see. Uh, Referencing uh, some OPS numbers from the regular season, the Braves as a team hit 832 with their uh, on-base percentage plus slugging percentage during uh, the NLCS that dropped down to 747. The Dodgers, by contrast, 821 OPS during the regular season in this series. They were 850, so they were getting extra base hits. They were getting on base, and it was something that was a stark contrast to where the Braves sat, especially in the final three games. Before we get into free agent targets, because I know a lot of people have questions about Trevor Bauer, and we'll get to that, uh, I do want to at least kind of go through the checklist of guys who are up to being paid, um, I feel like when you look at uh, the bullpen, you're going to have to make a decision between either Melanson or Green. Uh, I feel like uh, one or either of those guys could possibly test the open market. Uh, You do have Will Smith coming back. You do have Chris Martin coming back. Uh, That stable bullpen was something that carried the Braves not only through the season, but through much of the postseason. But uh, I'm wondering what kind of contract Melanson is going to warrant. Uh, Also, from the fact that Green... You know, he's somebody who's closed in the past. I, I wouldn't necessarily put it past a team to try and uh, overpay for him to become their closer. Yeah, and Melanson's on big money this year. You know, I, 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 he would have to take a pay cut if he's coming back to the Braves, knowing what 19, they just 19 gave Will million Smith. this year, by the way. Yeah. 19 million. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a uh, a pretty penny. Um, but you know, he 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 could very well be taking a huge, you know, be willing to take a a pretty big break. Although he performed very well this year. Um, It'll just be interesting to see what the market is for a guy who's kind of on the I don't want to say he's on the downside because he still was performing well for the Braves. But, you know, clearly he's not going to get the the big time contract that he already has secured in his in his career. So um, I would like to see him back if the Braves could get him back. I would like to see the Braves bring back as many of these guys as they possibly can. I think that Shane Green's probably a guy who would like to be closing again. I could definitely see him leaving. I'm not sure if he's the best like. I don't want to say he's a malcontent or anything like that, but I just do remember when the Braves traded for him last year, kind of just ruffled a little bit of feathers when he came in, kind of like pretty macho saying that I'm going to be the closer and everything. And then he got off to a really terrible start. He was blowing saves left and right, and that didn't work out. But, um, you know, I think that there will be better opportunities for him. I think that, you know, yeah, there are lots of free agents we can talk about. There's one free agent we need to be talking about, and that's Marcelo Zuna. I think that the Braves need to prioritize him above anyone else, honestly, because I think that he gives you the 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 biggest value add of anybody um, that's out there. Not just because of what he's going to give you production wise, but just because of when we hear these guys in the clubhouse talk about Marcelo Zuna, you start to realize how kind of indispensable somebody like him is not just because of his culture and the way that he can kind of be a, a, a you know that kind of wise father-like figure for guys like Ronald Acuna um, and some of these younger you know Christian Pache and kind of take these guys under their wing but he's a very cerebral hitter like he's he's very much in the Freddie Freeman mold of of knowing has, having a really good game plan of what he wants to do at the plate having a very well Uh, or a very good idea of what the opposing pitchers are going to be trying to do to him. And I think that that kind of knowledge is really something that is invaluable for a team with a bunch of young players. So, and we've seen, I mean, we've seen, we've seen him what he's done this year. It's, Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. And, and um, you know, when you compare someone like him to a Trevor Bauer type, I just feel like you're getting, more value from Marcelo Zuna, a guy who's going to be playing every every single day. Yeah. And, and 
Um, and the Braves are, are already going to have a very strong pitching staff next year. When you look at Soroka, Freed, and Ian Anderson as as your front three, that's a very, very good front three. Um, just not sure. I mean, Trevor. Ba- I would love it if I would love it if they if they bought if they sign Ozuna and Trevor Bauer. That w- that would be option one A, right? But realistically, I think that if you're prioritizing anybody in free agency, it's Marcelo Ozuna. I, there I feel like to, it's. Go ahead, I was going to say there needs to be a disclaimer put on Marcelo Ozuna. The Braves fans are just going to have to come to grips with one thing: is the Braves got to see him in a sixty-game season. Okay, not 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 a full one sixty-two. They've got to understand that this guy has had injury problems in the past, mm-hmm. and he I it was pointed out to me by our own John Chuckery that he said coming into this season he used the pandemic to get into shape. So with a shortened season or with a shortened off season, you do have to think about the fact of where he's going to be health wise. You have to you have to hope that with based on how he performed this year, that that's the level that you can expect coming into next year. However, the Braves, if they do decide to re-sign him, and I, I expect them to, and I think they should, Braves fans have to be able to deal with the fact of if he doesn't perform, you can't then turn around and be like, well, why, why'd they re-sign him? I mean, you see all of this stuff in his past. No, 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 no. On a, on a shortened season... It worked out, and he looked like he can be a guy who can grab a triple crown come next year, and he's a guy who's gelled so well with this team and is and has been such an integral part of this team, especially for them to get to this National League Championship Series, that whatever you get out of him in the future, you have to be okay with based on the, the results that you saw this year. I do feel like it's important to make this distinction. Before I let you speak, Joe, it's important to make this distinction. I think all three of us would want to see him back, but it does not matter what we think. It just matters how much money the Braves are willing to spend in this offseason. And I have to feel like when you are prioritizing this, you have to think about not only what he is going to cost this year, but what he's going to cost over the long haul. I think the factor with Bauer that's very interesting is that he only wants one-year deals. Mm-hmm. So because of well, that— Well, no, he's, he said that, but his agent came back yesterday, uh. <laughs> and she was very clear in saying, I understand what Trevor has put out on social media. However, we are looking at other options. <laughs> well, I feel like Trevor Bauer is, is, is hard-headed enough to where he can uh, basically— say and do what he wants and and I feel like the reasoning behind him wanting one-year deals is is very much a a reasoned one because of the fact that you have such volatility with the starting pitching market and and I feel like every year your value could go up and I feel like he is going to command more money and I also feel like uh, this is a particular starting pitching market that he's the crown jewel of so uh, to have that type of uh command over the market is something that's rather enviable from him and, and maybe he does cash in with a long-term deal or maybe he pays or maybe he gets paid 25 to 26 million dollars this year for a one-year deal somewhere whether it's New York or or somewhere else or whether it's here so I feel like that's an important distinction to make too I, I just I, and this is just me and maybe this is you know uh, Mike Bell ramming this into my head and, and just so many people who I know who are Braves fans are ramming this into my head. I just, I don't see the Braves spending that kind of money on one player. I don't agree with it. I want to see Marcelo Zuna in a, a Braves uniform. I feel like it's a much different discussion than Josh Donaldson last year. Donaldson had injury concerns. I realize, Caleb, that uh, you feel that Ozuna has some of those similar concerns, but I feel like he's a better clubhouse fit. And I also feel like you can definitely correlate the way he looked in that final season in Miami with Giancarlo Stanton, that's when his numbers really took a big jump. And if you extrapolate his numbers in 2020, it looks a heck of a lot better uh, than his numbers were in St. Louis and the way that they were at the the last little bit in Miami. I I will quibble with one thing you did say, Joe, because I do feel like, and again, I've been trumpeting this point ever since the end of the regular season, I I would prefer there to be another starter in front of Ian Anderson, whoever that might be. Not because I don't think Anderson's capable of being a top three starter on this team, but I do feel like if you get another guy who is proven and is a bona fide, whether it's front line or middle of the rotation type starter, that makes this Braves rotation the best rotation in baseball. And as a result of that, I feel like that 
cures a lot of the ills that you had at least getting to this end of the season is because, again, this this is something that's going to be a little bit different because everybody in this season played 60 games. I feel like it's going to take a lot of muscle memory to get back to that 162-game season and that regular schedule. I do feel like you have to foresee some injuries and that you're going to have to build a surplus of starting pitching, so it's not going to be enough to have Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson back there. And, and you can't count on Tuki Toussaint and Sean Newcomb and uh, cover your ears, Mike Fultonevich. It's it's difficult to envision a scenario where you are going to be just okay with six to seven starting pitchers, given the fact that you only had 60 uh, games this year and the 162-game season is something that will be different on these pitchers' arms than this season was. I, I do think that we are going to see, and kind of connecting this to Trevor Bauer, like I do think that we're going to see another one or two-year deal for a starting pitcher uh, that's probably going to be an older, more, you know, a veteran-type guy, like a, like a Cole Hamels. I know it didn't work out for the Braves this year, but shoot, Alex Anthopoulos has had a lot of success with those one-year deals, and I think that, you know, you run, into, you run into a buzzsaw like, like Cole Hamels every so often, but I don't think that that situation has really... This is just my guts speaking. I don't think that that situation really has made him totally lose faith with that the, with that kind of strategy to go with that kind of signing approach but, to these short term contracts. But just 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 to just to circle back, Joe, it, I wouldn't say that it really worked with Dallas Keuchel either when they went for it from the pitching standpoint. Number one, you didn't get a full season out of him, and number two, in the playoffs, he sucked. He pitched game one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm not trying to defend that at all. That's, yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. I just think that I just tend to think that that is what Alex Anthopoulos. I think that that's the plan. I just think that that's the plan for this team right now. Um, but speaking of some of those back end guys, uh, Bryce Wilson could be something. I I kind of cast him aside because the Tucker Davidson hype was starting to swarm my brain and um yeah, that that, I, that I, went I, away. I, that went away really quick after we saw him actually yeah. pitch. <laughs> yeah. Same thing for my guy Weigel. They they, they completely ruined oh, him. Yeah, they ruined him. That was I, I, if there if there's um, one thing that I'm still angry with Brian Snicker about, instead of uh, some of the decisions he made in this series, it was ruining Patrick Weigel. That's that's yeah. my problem right now. But I do. I I I got I got to admit, I've got higher expectations now for Bryce Wilson, or at least higher hopes that he might be able to provide a legitimate, like strong prospecty type uh, um, season next year. Weren't we having these same discussions? Or at least a lot of Braves fans were about Bryce Wilson a year ago, though. Yes, yes, we like were. That, yes, we that, were. That's kind, of, <laughs> that's kind of the thing with you know whether it's Weigel, whether it's Tucker Davidson, whether it's uh, uh, Mueller. Um, the these guys they're young and so like they need more time and maybe in a year you're looking at a different picture you're looking at a guy who who figures out those little details and then for Kyle Wright he's a guy who's gonna have to go back to the drawing board as they say and 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 figure out what went wrong in, in his last appearance but there are there are surely plenty of, of promising signs from this bolt from this uh ro- starting rotation enough that i am of the opinion i i i am with joe that it's likely going to be another one year deal because you have so many bodies and i mean unless you unless you trade somebody which you could maybe, do maybe that's a possibility mm-hmm. but the the one year deal of the most recent one i've heard is maybe adam wainwright you know of, Come home Marcus, to Atlanta, kind of Marcus deal. Marcus Stroman, possibly. Sure, we really see a lot of him um, this year. If, if, and I think part of the not signing guys to multiple years, when you look at who the Braves have signed for these longer extended contracts, big money contract, big money contracts, I should say, look at the deals that they got for Ozzy Alves and Ronald Acuna, and is the big bosses upstairs going to let? Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snickers spend multiple years and big money. It seems like Alex Anthopoulos is pulling off these one-year deals because he's getting enough clearance, you know, money-wise, they'll do it one year. And so maybe if you can get Bauer on a one-year deal, even if it is, you know, super high as as far as money-wise, maybe they'll do it if in, in the same light, if you give Ozuna 
a longer deal at maybe a, a lower rate. However, I don't think he's going to be willing to do that. So there, there's all of these. And then as we kind of alluded to all of this postseason, one of those, uncom- I guess, uncomfortable conversations because it starts digging into the money is Freddie Freeman's got to be paid. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're yeah. big, you know, soon to be National League MVP. He's got to get his. And so once you start delving out the money, and it's been proven in the biggest moment that some of these Braves arms can can do it, can pitch in big moments, then it's going to be less likely that Liberty Media is, is going to be convinced that there needs to be a big splash. Before you go, Joe, I, I wanted to at least give you some of the raw numbers. So uh, right now, at least at the end of the 2020 season, we're talking about the raw competitive balance salary number, which is $179 million is basically where their cap is in relation to the luxury tax, which again is about $209 million, depending on, on which estimate you go by. Uh, there are some people who believe that it's going to kind of stay flat, so it'll go up to $210. $40 million comes off the books, which basically means they've got a window of about $80 million of new money that they can add on this offseason before they had to pay the luxury tax. Now, I don't think any of us believe that they're going to come close to that yeah. because we know how this organization operates. But factoring that into the equation, losing the money off the books from guys like Cole Hamels and Mark Melanson, those are the two major money getters mm-hmm. when it comes to the money. As far as prioritizing things, I feel like a, a Freeman extension has to happen because he's a free agent after 2021. You don't want to lose that guy. And then you have to make a choice on Ozuna or a free agent starting pitcher of some clout. Now, I don't know if either of those comes to pass. Like, if, if, if neither of those two comes to pass, then I feel like you're in a real bind because then you're going to have to figure out who's going to be your DH going into next year. You're going to figure out if it's Duvall. You're going to have to figure out somebody to play left field. Do you rush the uh, the development of a guy like Drew Waters? Uh, if you don't get Melanson back, who's your closer? And you know, we all talked about Will Smith, about how great uh, that deal was in the offseason and how shrewd it was. Smith was lesser than expected this season. Yeah, and I feel definitely. like th- that's something that uh, when you think about the way the Braves organized and structured this offseason, I feel like they're going to have to add some money. And, and again, it would take about $40 million or uh, $50 million to get back to the level that they were this season in order to break even from where they were in 2019 and 2020. And then, of course, you believe everything that you read when it comes to Major League Baseball. Uh, you hear them say things like uh, some of the revenues that uh, were lost this year aren't going to be recouped, so that might cause teams to cut back on spending. We heard earlier today that the New York Yankees might be cutting some payroll as well, and Mm -hmm. if the Yankees are cutting payroll, that means (laughs) everybody's cutting payroll except the Dodgers. Yeah, they're kind of the bellwether, aren't they? Um, Yeah, I mean, it will be really interesting to just generally see what the free agent market looks like. like. What are the numbers on some of these players going to be? I still tend to think that the top line players are still going to go for the types of money that we're accustomed to seeing. But I do, I, my suspicion is that kind of that the middle tier players, the, the good solid acquisition types, those guys, I don't think will be making as much money in free agency, but we'll, we'll see what the market um, shapes out to be. I was saying before, I wanted to get back to one more thing about the starting pit or the, the, the starting rotation, kind of the back end of it. I was mentioning Bryce Wilson and um, Caleb brought up some, some guys who had also shown flashes. There's one difference with Bryce Wilson. And that's that, he shut down the Dodgers in game five of the NLCS. And he said something after the game that was really, I felt like it was really illuminating, which was that having that kind of success in that kind of moment against that team of players of that quality instills a confidence in you that you can't get anywhere else. And that confidence specifically is that all you have to do is focus on doing all the right things while that ball is still in your hand. And the second that it leaves your fingertips, knowing that there's nothing else you can do, like that is something that clearly, you, you could tell that that, is, that had manifested itself, that kind of confidence had manifested itself in Bryce Wilson, and it had not in Kyle Wright. Like you could see it on Kyle Wright that he was still worried about what the results of, his, of any particular pitch we're going to be. And with Bryce Wilson, he was just letting it fly. And so I think that with that confidence, we are 
likely going to see just a better Bryce Wilson. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be some, you know, amazing pitcher and do that same thing that he did against the Dodgers every time he goes out next year or anything close to it. But I just have much higher hopes for him next year because of that specific um, experience that he gained this postseason. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I think that you're likely he's likely going to be starting a bunch of games for you next year. One other one I want to just throw out there. I don't think this is going to happen. Very low chance of it. But A.J. Minter, A.J. Minter looked good as a starter. And he said that he did. You know, he's, he was a starter in college. Uh, he said in and he said that he had approached Snit earlier this season offering to be the opener when the team had like no one to start. And I remember there were rumors about whether Tyler Matzik would want to do it because he had a start. He had started in his past and he kind of came out in the media and was like, yeah, you know, I'll do whatever the manager says. But like, he wasn't like necessarily like jumping at the opportunity. I think he was pretty comfortable in the spot that he was in. Um, so credit to AJ Minter for at that point, we, none of us knew about that. The fact that he had kind of offered himself to, to be that guy. And, I just love his mentality out there as well. Same same thing I was talking about with Bryce Wilson is what uh, AJ Minter looks like. And I think that we all need to just wash 2019 AJ Minter out of our minds because he was dealing with a shoulder injury that was caused from a, tr- a car wreck that he was in in spring training. Uh, he just wasn't physically the guy that we have seen when he was really good in 2018 and really good this year. And so I think that he is going to most likely again, be needed in the bullpen. I think the bullpen will need his arm there. Um, But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him as a starter. I think it'd be kind of fun. We know what uh, Brian Snicker does when it comes to uh, protecting that bullpen at all costs. I I reverse those numbers. I I do apologize, guys. They actually do have uh, a lot more space uh, short of the salary tax than I initially had thought. They only have seventy nine million on the books for next year. So in reality, they have one hundred thirty million basically of of cap room, if you will, to use that number uh, short of the competitive balance tax. But again, their payroll last year was around one seventy nine. So if you want to get back up to basically last year's payroll or at least 2020's payroll you'd probably be able to add about a hundred million dollars of payroll which would include you know the decision on Melanson the decision on Freddie Freeman uh Ozuna another starter and any other additions you might want I feel like it's also uh, imperative to maybe get some more offense uh for the bench or, or even somebody who can supplement uh what you have in the outfield or even another uh, utility infielder. I know you have uh, a couple more years in the arbitration for Johan Camargo, but I do believe that that one thing we did not have uh, is we didn't have that guy who could, you know, come off the bench and get you a big hit, whether it's a home run or something in the gap during uh, during the postseason. We had that earlier in the year in Matt Adams, but uh, had to let, let him go because of uh, the constrained roster that we had. Man, I forgot about Matt Adams. Well, was, wow. Seems like a different different yeah. era. <laughs> well, I was about to say you didn't you didn't let go of him because of roster constraints. You let go of him because he wasn't hitting. Like he wasn't right. he wasn't the Matt Adams that the Braves had had a couple of years previously. The okay. and you're right that the Braves don't have a bat like Kike Hernandez who who was clutch, super yeah, clutch yes. for for the Dodgers specifically in the NLCS. So, I personally would put more focus into into that when you when you talk about caps or space for the Braves to spend. I think we're about to see a lot of AJC articles about how much money the Braves have lost uh, to kind of remind everyone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of like how much ah, they can spend and how much they're yeah, not going to. It's been to- rough, you know, it's been tight. You know, Braves have ha- are down 90% or 95% in revenue from where they were a year ago. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we'll hear that. That even around the playoffs, like the the restaurants, you know, around around uh, the battery are aren't doing as well as they they had been before the pandemic. And so, you know, within reason of the pandemic, you do have to understand the times are tough. And and I think we'll we're going to hear a lot of those discussions, and and that is going to be the reason why we are given A or B. Uh, and so that's uh, that's why after what I saw out of this series, I think the Braves' arms that they currently have can be enough to get it done. Because obviously, we haven't seen what Mike Soroka can do. Like, if if he's going sure. to come back and be himself again, we sure hope so. And when, but, too. Yeah. yeah. But we don't I, know. I, I, I want to say about the money... I don't know if anybody who's watching this or listening to this has, like, had to deal with budgets in their work and, you know, you you 
have a budget, you try to you know come in under budget. If you come in under budget, you you know you that's like a, an accomplishment, um, and you, hopefully then you can use those funds later on. And then sometimes something happens where it's like, oh, you do this great job, you actually save money, you come in under budget, and they're like, and you think that you have this little p- pool of money to spend on something else, and you then don't. it's like, and then it's like, oh yeah, we needed that. So thanks for saving it for us, but you know. Tough times. <laughs> I could yeah. totally see that happening because, and the reason I bring up the saving money part is the fact that the Braves have Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies on some of the most team friendly deals. deals that you can imagine. Like, mm-hmm. steal. Like, they should fire their agents for signing those deals. But I mean, I'm, every Braves fan loves the fact that they did. But uh, you are correct. Uh, anyway, so it, it's not to kinda, mention you're, car- you're, not to mention be you're carrying. You're carrying Ender Enciarte for eight point seven million next year. I just wanted to bring that. Well, up. I was I was just chatting with somebody earlier today about him, uh, one of my friends, and he's going to be smile. Caleb. Nope, no one's going to be looking to trade for Ender, and mm-hmm. so he's going to be a a tough cut. But and I and I don't think they're going to waive him until they really have to because of that. They can't. Like, you know, they're just it's. They just don't want to bite. No one bites the right. bullet on eight point seven million dollars. Right. No, uh, I, I think you have to. I think yeah no I I could totally see that happening. I mean they it's a lot of money to throw out out the window, especially what you have left on his deal beyond this this upcoming year. Yeah, but I don't unless they get a situation where I mean I was trying to think of what it took to to get rid of of BJ Upton and that deal uh, with Dan Ugly it was more of just eating the money, and so it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if and maybe Ender's perfectly fine with, and if you have to eat the money, then he's uh, a bench player. But that's what I. Th- I mean, that's what I, th- I think that we'll probably see Nick Markakis retire, which yes. kind of opens a spot, um, and then you just. You, I think this team will need a, to to sign an outfielder, uh, and you just use that open spot from Nick Markakis. You don't uh, think Duvall is your opening day left fielder with Pache in center? No, I think that's a very good chance that that is the case, but I just still think you would need somebody else throughout the season um, that you'd want to have there. This is brought up on... Drew Waters, too. I was going to say, Drew Waters comes into play. Took the words right out of my (laughs) mouth, gentlemen. Do we see Drew Waters at any point in 2021, or do they try to play the same uh, service time hysteronics that we saw with Pache this year? Drew Waters is either on this 40-man roster... Or on some other team's forty-man roster. I just don't. I think you're at a point with him and where you're, where you need players on this particular squad come in 2021, where it's too valuable. He's either got to be in a, in, you know, in that role, uh, in that supporting role position, or he's trade capital. I mean, that you just you can't have another year of him down in in Gwinnett. I'm not as bullish on drew waters in in the immediate future i do think that we are likely to see him at some point next season make an appearance at least but if it's enough to like get the service time started which i'm really bad at knowing all these rules by the way but uh like a similar situation with pache where he came up but it didn't actually start his his clock so to speak because he didn't play in this year's rules were rather rather weird too so yeah yeah but i but the thing that's interesting with drew waters is that um nobody really is going to have a great read on how ready he is until we actually see him in spring training because no we we, no one's really seen him perform normally we would have seen him being playing in minor league games we'd have stats to analyze all that kind of stuff, and we just don't have that at our disposal right now. So who really knows? (laughs) What we do know about Drew Waters is that he's extremely just like a naturally talented hitter, but he still has a lot of kind of that refining to do in his game, especially when it comes to cutting down on the strikeouts, increasing his his walks, um, just being more disciplined at the plate in general. He wants to get up there and swing. Sounds like guys that are already on this team. Struck out yeah. once every five at bats in 2019, his last season in the minor leagues, and that was between Double uh, A Mississippi and Triple A Gwinnett. 164 strikeouts. So he'd be doing pretty well in a, for in 573 <laughs> plate appearances. So I mean, and so maybe he's really improved in that uh, this year in Gwinnett, but we don't really know until we see him. So uh, it feels like the last day of school, guys. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, this is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I'll send you my yearbook. I'll email yeah. you guys my yearbook. You'll have to sign it. Digitally, hags. I guess. I'm gonna, hags, hags, guys. I'm say hags. Have a good summer. Uh, like we said uh, before, we are going to uh, try and get you some more off-season 
uh, tidbits and chats with us here on Matter Up, whether it's on Facebook Live or on the podcast, which again, we encourage you to download the podcast at radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If a big signing or uh, defection happens, uh, we'll be on to talk about it. Uh, just keep following us not only on radio.com, but also, again, by subscribing to the podcast and also subscribing to 92.9 The Game's Facebook, which if you are watching us live, you already do so. So thank you again so much to everybody who watched, listened, thank and you. also uh, took part in our post-game discussions throughout the postseason. Uh, I also enjoyed getting a chance to get closer to both you guys, at least personally. This is a lot of fun. And, uh, hey, I was about to say, over <laughs> through Zoom, <laughs> social distance. No. Yeah, it was a good season. It was a good season. Yeah, it was fun. And hopefully next year. It was nice. uh, we, we, we were all saying good season, everybody, last last night in the ninth inning when it was still going. But you know, I think it might have been the seventh that I was saying. It wasn't. <laughs> I think it was. I think you guys, it was after Bellinger's home run yeah. where you guys were like, well, it's cooked. <laughs> it was fun. And it was. I was the only one who had hope. Thanks, mm-hmm. guys. I just want to make sure I put that out there. Well, that's that. Uh, that's what I try to tell you. You guys were talking about your your fandom, and like, there's a reason why this jersey is is up here behind me. Like, I I I feel like I have an attachment, and, and maybe it's not the best professionally, but who cares? I I think I can be level headed enough, uh, especially the way that I handled myself yesterday and today of of not overreacting and and just uh appreciating the journey because i think there there's a guy who i listen to his podcast who talks about uh getting off the narcotic of certain sports teams your favorite sports teams because they don't do anything good for you and while that might be true of of another particular atlanta team it's not true for the braves because the braves are at least fun the the entire time you get to watch them whether they they finish in a disappointing fashion. You at least enjoyed the journey and, and especially getting to do this podcast with you guys. I have, I have for sure enjoy, enjoyed the journey this year. I think what, that that's uh, why what I wasn't. What were you as, referring to there, Caleb? I don't, I don't know. Who, who might you be referring to? <laughs> I think that that's why I wasn't as down in the dumps yesterday, last night Same. as a lot of people yeah. were um, just because I was able to, yeah, enjoy it. And I just feel like if as a sports fan, it's like championship or, this was all a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. That's just a really, that's just feels like a miserable way to, to follow a team. But I mean, again, I don't want to tell anybody how to, how to feel about it. But, I agree um, with you. Yeah. I, I'm just, I, I just love the fact that this team's fun. It's growing and they're going to be better next year. I don't give a damn what you guys say. I'm still picked off. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Cause that's the way that I roll. You do you. Well, for Caleb Johnson and Joe Patrick and all of us here at Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, we thank you so much for watching, listening, and subscribing to the Batter Up podcast. We'll talk to you sometime throughout the off season and get you ready for the 2021 Braves. This has been the Batter Up podcast, a 92.9 The Game and Radio.com exclusive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.